Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. Good morning, dear ones. It's so good to be with you. I pray that you're doing well and that you love our Lord. You see, if you were with us yesterday, it was a real trouble with the camera. We're back on track again today. Um, God bless you, and um, thanks for your your many good, wonderful comments and your questions, which we take right after the first break. Um, you are f- welcome, free and welcome to text or call in with anything on your heart. And again, it it does never need to be what we are speaking about. The heart, the, the heart of the matter is the matter of your heart. I say that often because that's what uh, is the case. Whatever is on your heart, and you don't have to use your name. It could be anonymous. Um, the main thing is that we seek the truth together and live for God together. Uh, spread his kingdom to the ends of the earth. The, the uh, toll-free call-in number uh, or the number to text that is one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Yesterday I thought we would complete uh, going through Father John Harden's article, wonderful article, everything he writes is wonderful, um, on the family, but, uh, but we did not. Um, and so I'm going to pick up where we left off yesterday, which is the um, section of his paper uh, subtitled The Family, The Foundation of Our Faith. And um, he says it is here at this point we must at least briefly explain what I have come to call the four pillars of the Catholic family. The four pillars of the Catholic family, they are fidelity, indissolubility, children, and selfless charity. And he briefly uh, discusses, very briefly, each one first with fidelity. Uh, This is uh, just repeating uh, two points from yesterday, and then we'll go on. Fidelity, the first pillar of the Catholic family, is the obligation that the husband and wife assumed when they received the sacrament of matrimony obligation, beloved. It's not something that any couple decides whether they're going to have children or not, and they don't decide, this is my own two cents in here, um, uh, how many children they're going to have. This is getting in God's way. The minute a couple decides whether or not to have children or how many children they want in raising a family, they have really no right to marriage because marriage is God's design And we are to be open to what God does and put nothing in the way of uh, of life. Life Life-giving love is what the marital act is designed to be. They promised God, Father Hardin says, they promised God that they would um, remain faithful to each other in a world that has canonized infidelity and makes a mockery of the marriage vows. Remember, Father says, that parents are to be channels of grace to their children. 
hear of the grace, uh, hear of the grace of faith in the unchangeable teaching of Christ on marital fidelity. Let me reread that. Remember that parents are to be channels of grace to their children. Um, uh, channels of the grace of faith in the unchangeable teaching of Christ on marital fidelity. Um, I tell you what, beloved, if you use any form of contraception, if you decide how many children you want, you are already breaking your marriage vows. You are not being... um, There is no marital fidelity because it's not just the two of you. You brought God into your marriage. If it's a sacrament, you are turning from God. And Father says this is far deeper than merely giving a good example. Father and mother are to be the conduits of supernatural light for the sons and daughters they have brought into the world, the second indissolubility. If there is one truth of the Catholic faith that parents must must teach their children, it is the indissolubility of Christian marriage. The Catholic Church will survive only where Christ's difficult doctrine on marital indissolubility is still believed and practiced. And then children. He has fidelity, indissolubility, third, children. Not every marriage we know is fruitful in children. It's really amazing, beloved. I add my two cents here. Um, It's amazing how uh, parents that can have 10 children um, uh, don't want children, and the parents who want the most, many of them struggle not being able to have their own children. Yes, they could adopt, but it's it's a great suffering. Father says, not every marriage we know is fruitful in children. One of the heaviest uh, sacrifices that childless couples have to make is to accept God's will in their lives. They must learn the secret of spiritual parenthood and devote their zeal to teaching the faith to other people's children. And I think of uh, um, Dr. Um, Oh, come on now, the doctor is in. Um, I can't believe, if he, if you're listening to me, you can... But yes, thank you, Dr. Ray Garendi. My goodness, how could I how could I not remember that man that I absolutely love? Dr. Ray Garendi, he's a Catholic psychologist. He's a, or a psychiatrist, I don't know which, and he is a Catholic apologist. And he and his wife have adopted 10 children. His house looks like the United Nations. 10 children. Um, And they're all colors, and they're all races. And he said they were going to quit after nine, but he did not practice safe phone. Isn't that hysterical? He said, I did not practice safe phone. So he got a call one day, and that became their 10th child. They are saints on earth, so incredibly magnificent. And if you want to know how to raise strong-willed children and anything about parenting, go on to uh, the Internet and look up any book by Dr. Ray Garendi, and you will um, you will be uh, very happy with him. He's terrific. Um, 
But Father uh, John Harden goes on to say, but where the husband and wife can have offspring, their generosity in reproducing themselves is the single most effective way of propagating the faith to their children. All the orthodoxy of their Catholicism will be lost on deaf ears unless the children see their parents living what they profess to believe. I've come across such families, beloved, with little children, and um, uh, it, it makes me cringe what the children are exposed to. The, the, the language, the behavior, the immodesty of dress, the degradation, and that is what those little children are being formed in. And some of the parents think, no, nah, they're too young now. When they're you know, when they're five and six, I'll begin. Oh, no, no, no. You begin with the child in your womb or the day that you adopt them. The children are a little sponge. They pick up everything. That's why when when children are older and parents want to correct mistakes or go back, and it's very, very hard because uh, they see a complete hypocrisy in that. You've taught them one way by your example, and now you're teaching them another way by your words. It will not work. All the orthodoxy... Okay, I read that sentence. Um, uh, let me read that. Re-read. I'm going to reread that. All the orthodoxy of their Catholicism will be lost on deaf ears unless the children see their parents living what they profess to believe. Contraception is lethal for the preservation of the true faith in any age and with thunderous emphasis in our age. When infertility has been reduced to an exact science and children have become a liability in the Western world. Truly tragic, beloved. And finally, we had fidelity and indissolubility and then children and then finally a loving community. In the Catholic philosophy of life, a family, a father, mother, and children um, is not a mere group of persons who happen to be related by blood. A family is not just a society of individuals who cohabit with one another. In the mind of Christ, a family is to be a loving community. This implies some remarkable things. First, it implies there is someone in authority in the family, someone who with kindly patience makes the decisions for the family. That should be the Papa. Father, you need to be not just a man, but the man of the family to live your vocation, to teach, to instruct, to lay down your life for your wife as Christ laid down hers, as Christ laid down his uh, for the church. He didn't lay down your wife's life. He laid down his own life for the church. Um, I tell you what, as far as authority goes, beloved, I hear so many parents, especially mothers who have their children mostly during the daytime, they'll say, sweetheart, no, don't eat that, okay? Or come on now, it's time to go, okay? I don't know where that habit came from, but you are asking your children permission. You're asking a little two-year-old if it's okay. You should not be doing that. 
Stop saying okay at the end of your sentences. You don't need their approval. And then you, when you want to them to truly listen to you in obedience, uh, they don't need to because it's not okay with them. Stop saying okay at the end of your sentences. That's really, it's, that's lethal. That's terrible. You say to your little one, I want you to go sit over there. And that's the end of the sentence. And they need to obey. If you say, I want you to go sit over there, okay, why are you asking their permission? You're destroying authority. You can give uh, instructions and orders in very loving ways. Honey, I want you to sit over there. That's all without asking permission. Secondly, Father says, um, the family is to be a loving community, and it implies, one, that someone's in authority. Uh, Secondly, it implies there is a mutual trust among the members of the family. They share with one another their hopes and desires and are sure that their confidence will not be betrayed. You see, when, when two members of a family talk, they need to be sure that their confidence will not be betrayed. We have such, we have destroyed confidentiality. We've destroyed the dignity of the human soul. Do you know, beloved, that in general, not just in the family, when you tell someone something, that is never to be repeated, even if you haven't been told it's a secret. It is never. And we have, in a minor sense, a seal of confession. Someone doesn't have to tell us a secret. When we go to confession, we confess to the priest. We don't say, Father, don't tell anybody. We know he's not going to. He'll lose his priesthood if he does. I read articles that are threatening priests with uh, state laws that they have to reveal, reveal a confession. Well, they do not. It may be at the cost of their life, but they may not break their vows to God. They may never reveal a confession. And when we go to confession, we are confident of that for the most part. We are confident of that. When I tell someone something, it doesn't have to be a secret. It doesn't have to be something that... Uh, I don't have to say it shouldn't be made public or don't pass it. I don't I shouldn't have to say that. If I've told someone something, it doesn't go any further than them. When someone tells me something, that's the end of the road. Um, and I have no business telling it to others. I have no business. I have no business passing it on unless I say to that person, uh, may I tell so-and-so or may I pass that on? That's too wonderful. You see... Um, and thirdly, it implies that the members, uh, to a loving community implies that the members of a family in a true sense live together. They are in each other's company, not grudgingly, but willingly, and together form an unmistakable unity. Already on Pentecost Sunday, St. Luke tells us in the Acts of the Apostles, the first Christians began to form a community, beginning with the community of each Christian family. What united these families was their common faith. They were united by their common allegiance to the teaching of the apostles. So that's what it takes, beloved. A family is to be a loving community, which implies there is someone in authority, there is mutual trust, and that the members... Uh, in a true sense, live together.
Okay, finally, in this article, finally, Catholic instruction on the family. As faithful sons and daughters of Mother Church, we know what followers when family we know what follows when families are not taught as the holy father says that our freedom is a capacity for realizing the truth of god's plan for marriage and the family instead of knowing that god's plan is to lead families to heaven by doing his will people are being taught to do their own will the result has been pandemonium which literally means all demonic. That's the word pandemonium. That's where demonic, demonium, pan, all, all demonic. Pandemonium is the literary term for the abode of demons. In the English language, it is a center of vice, a place of lawlessness and anarchy. It is too much to say that where self-will has replaced the divine will, As the purpose of human freedom, the consequence has been pandemonium. Is it too much to say that, Father asks? Well, it's not because it's true. The conclusion from all this is obvious, Father says. Families must, the word is must, be taught that we have a free will in order to do God's will on earth and thereby reach a heavenly eternity. You know, For years, I didn't think about this, beloved. This is my my two cents now. I I say that for those on the radio that are not watching the live stream and may not know when I'm commenting versus when I'm reading. But um, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free, free to follow God, free to do what is right, free to live the truth. God has given us free will only to do what is right, only to choose love, only to choose him, only free to do everything that will bring us to heaven. We have no right, we have no right to sin. We have no right to do what is wrong. We have no right to live as we please. We only have a right to follow God's will. We have a freedom to turn from God's will, such as Adam and Eve did, but there will be consequences. It is not free will to do what I want. It's free will to do what is right. Father John Harden says, here is the gravest responsibility we have before God as bishops and priests, religious and laity, single and married. We must become active apostles of religious instruction to families. Parents and children are being exposed to so much erroneous thinking. And again, Father Hardin wrote this 20 years ago. Can you even begin to imagine what he would say today? We're not merely being exposed to much erroneous teaching. It's everything we hear left and right. It's all over the newspapers. It's all over the radio and the Internet. It's all over the world. The, the dirty laundry of the Catholic Church is being exposed and disgracing Christ and his church all over the world. It is absolutely tragic. Father Hardin says it is no wonder that family life in once flourishing Christian countries is disintegrating. Ideas have consequences. True ideas have good consequences. False ideas have bad consequences. 
we who have the truth, which is the only foundation for real hope, have the obligation to teach this faith to the myriads of families that are literally walking in darkness and sitting in the, sh- in the shadow of death. There is a cosmic war going on in the world today, Father says. It is nothing less than a war between Christ, who is revealed the truth, and Satan, the father of lies. The center of this conflict is over the family. The heart of this conflict is over the truth. The good of this conflict is eternity. The victory in this conflict is assured on one condition, that we are ready to die for Christ, who died on the cross to save us from hell and for heaven as the hope of our destiny. People say, well, I don't know if I'm going to die for my faith. I don't know if I can do that. Well, you're going to die. The question is, uh, for what will you die? And to what will you go? Everyone is going to die sooner or later. Will we die that we might spend eternity in heaven, or will we die that we will spend eternity in hell? That is our choice, beloved. That is our choice. And we should make the choice today before we go to sleep tonight. People have asked how they, how they prepare for the three days of darkness. How do we prepare for all the prophecies and the things that are coming and all of that? How do we prepare for that? And my answer is... Uh, in the same way you prepare if you knew you wouldn't wake up in the morning. When you go to bed at night, you have no guarantee you'll wake up in the morning. And you need to be prepared, if you don't, to be in heaven. Even if you'll be in purgatory on the way to heaven, you need to be prepared for that. If you go to sleep with mortal sin on your soul, and for some reason you die in your sleep, uh, you will be in hell forever. We have that choice to make. You say, well, then it's God's fault. It'll never be God's fault. It'll be God's fault if you're in heaven, not if you're in hell. If you're in hell, it's your fault. If you're in heaven, it's God's fault. And it's not a fault, beloved. He died for us. I remember at the Easter vigil, the first time I heard the words, oh, necessary fault, talking about Adam and Eve, and I thought, necessary fault? What are you talking about? The rest of it said that gave us such a great Redeemer. Oh, necessary fault that gave us such uh, Adam's sin, that gave us such a great Redeemer. I think I'm not even saying the full, the full line. It's so magnificent, beloved. It's God's fault, and no fault at all that, we're, that we are in heaven. It's truly, truly wonderful. I tell you what, beloved, I don't know of any marriage that doesn't have its struggles. Uh, it may seem wonderful, the couples at church with the children, and they're loving and they're wonderful, and it's very sincere. They're not putting on an act. You can tell when couples put on an act. No, 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 no. But you know that they have struggles because they're two fallen beings who are now married in the grace of God. And it's a sanctifying marriage. And the grace of God is with them. And they overcome many things, which is how they prepare one another for heaven. That's the only way through suffering are we molded, uh, do we grow. But there's no marriage without struggles, none. 
Is any struggle insurmountable? It is not. Is it ever too late? Is it ever too late to turn your marriage around, to turn your life around, no matter what has happened, no matter where the children are? Is it ever too late? It is not. And if you say, I wouldn't even know where to begin, I feel like giving up, well, giving up is the choice you have, and I'll tell you, it is the easy choice. The hard choice is to not give up and to stay the course and to do all that is needed. That's the difficult choice. It's easy to give up. It's easy to take drugs. It's easy to bow out. When I was a jail chaplain, 10 years in my Protestant years, I was a jail chaplain, and I would talk to the women, 400 of them every Sunday morning, or a couple times a month on Sunday morning. Then I became a full-time chaplain, and I was with them every single Sunday. And I truly, truly, truly loved them. And they would, um, they'd say, you know, you, you, uh, I'm going to say this over the air, you straight broads, you don't know what's suffering, you don't understand. And I would say, you're very wrong. You're very wrong. We, when you take drugs... You give in to temptation, but we don't take drugs. We don't go into other forms of sin that you've lived through. And so we bear the temptation and the suffering more than you'll ever know. You give, you give it up with drugs. You drown it out. We don't. We live it. We live through it. And we know suffering more than many of you will ever know for that reason. There's the music for our break. Beloved, call in with anything on your heart. one 511 5483 or email at mother at We'll be right back. At iCatholic Radio, we're blessed to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ through the latest of technology. But don't rely on just one of your mobile devices for listening to iCatholic Radio. Download our free app to all of your Android and Apple mobile devices, ensuring you never miss a show. That's iCatholic Radio. Great Catholic programming available for download through the Google Play and iTunes stores. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. This is Father Jacek Mazur. Please join me in a prayer to St. Monica. Dear St. Monica, many sorrows pierced your heart during your lifetime, yet you never despaired nor lost faith. 
With confidence, persistence, and profound faith, you prayed daily for the conversion of your beloved son, Augustine, and your prayers were answered. Grant me that same fortitude, patience, and trust in the Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. I had to think of the name. Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back, beloved. And again, we have a whole half hour to ourselves, so feel free to call in with anything at all on your heart. Uh, toll free one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We have a text um, from uh, someone who's written in anonymously, and they say, "Hi, Mother Miriam." Our Catholic grade school is planning on incorporating yoga into the school day to help the children focus. What are your, are your thoughts on this? Absolutely not. Um, and uh, you need to speak with the teacher, you need to speak with the principal, and you need to pull your child out of the school. Um, yoga is, um, it, its roots are demonic, um, and... Uh, it's become very new age. I found a wonderful article on Catholic.com titled The Trouble with Yoga. It's a bit lengthy, so I won't read it, but that's going to give you everything to do with yoga and why it is not Catholic and why it is not for us to practice. So absolutely not. Um, if it's if it's a Catholic grade school, they should be helping the children to focus through prayer, not through not through yoga. So, uh, no, a big no on that one. We have an email from Jennifer. Hold on a moment. <coughs> Excuse me. Jennifer writes, Hi, Mother Miriam. I've been an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion in my parish for a couple of years. As I learned more and more about our faith, I am convinced that there should not be any extraordinary minister. The most holy Eucharist should be only handled by a priest or a deacon. The ordinary minister, the priests and deacons are ordinary ministers, right? Should I quit my position as an extraordinary minister? Should I always take communion from a priest instead of an extraordinary minister? I have changed the way to receive our Lord from receiving... uh, uh, from my hands to receiving from my tongue. Is it okay to receive it on my tongue as uh, from an extraordinary minister? I'm so confused. Thank you for your help. God bless. Actually, Jennifer, I think you are quite unconfused now. You're not confused at all. You're doing great. Um, yes, uh, cease to be an extraordinary minister of the Eucharist. Yes. And you know, when I've been at Novus Ordo Masses, and they have a whole bunch of extraordinary ministers. I have received from them. The last time I did that and received on the tongue, I think it was fairly obvious that the 
a young lady who was the extraordinary minister in a very short miniskirt, uh, didn't know how to serve anyone on the tongue, and dropped the host on the floor. And I bent down and picked it up and, and consumed it. Uh, she had no idea to even bring a cloth or anything. I would say, uh, next time I'm in a Novus Auto Church, I will receive from the priest or deacon. And I wonder if every the, if everyone does that, maybe they'll get the idea. So, yes, I would cease being an extraordinary minister. Do continue to receive on your tongue, no matter who you receive from. Uh, but there would be nothing wrong standing on the line to receive from the priest or deacon. It's not a should. Uh, I won't tell you that, but I think it's a good idea. Uh, we have an email from somebody who writes in anonymously. Um, let me see now. Um, uh, we just got a call. In. Let me let me take the call first from Mary in Rochester. Hello, Mary. <clears throat> Hi, Mother. I'm calling um, from New York State, and today um, the New York State child uh, child uh, um, I believe it was child. Uh, Protection Act uh, went into effect, which gives a one-year window for um, any child abuse uh, that has occurred any year at all um, to, you know, for a lawsuit to be brought. And apparently, even just in the Rochester area, there are about 500 uh, cases that have just been presented. And, you know, I, I of course, I fear for what's going to happen with our local church, uh, with the New York State churches. And um, I, I just wondered what your take on that would be. So, Mary, what you're saying is that whoever's abused has one year to report it. One year to yes, report it or one year to sue? I believe it's one year to sue, and um, it can't be... Uh, the occurrence could be from any year at all. So what it did was remove the um, statute of limitations as far as how long uh, after the occurrence the suit could be brought. The suit could be brought. All right. Well, thanks to God that it's not one year for reporting the incidents because mm -hmm. there should be no limitation on that whatsoever. Um, mm -hmm. As far as one year to sue... Um, uh, it's because all the dioceses are going bankrupt. That's why they're doing this, of course. Mm -hmm. um, it's really, um, it's very difficult because uh, I don't say necessarily it's immoral. <clears throat> I can't make that conclusion at the moment. It might be. But, see, when someone's abused, it, it destroys their life. And... Um, the issue isn't necessarily to sue. The issue is to get some form of justice. It, when someone is, um, I, I'm just thinking out loud now, Mary, with you. Um, if someone uh, robs a house, um, they may or may not be caught to put back what they took, but they don't sue the robber when they find them. When someone commits a murder, which is really, I, wa I want every priest, every bishop, uh, cardinal to hear this. When a child is abused, you have murdered that child. 
you have murdered that child. Okay. But when someone is physically murdered, um, the family doesn't necessarily sue. The person needs to get justice in the law. They must be put in jail at the very least. Uh, But the idea of... I don't say it's wrong to sue Mary. I'm I'm thinking out loud. Um, Money should not quickly be a reward of a sort or that's owed. Justice is what's owed. And justice for someone who has abused another, whether they are a child or an adult, but especially a child, they should be in jail. They shouldn't be put away in a rehab house. They should be in jail and serve their time. Uh, The idea of suing for money, I I think I'd need further understanding on that. Um, The thing is, with that law, no one's going to sue because a child, most people can't even uh, tell anybody that they were abused. They're too ashamed. So that law is going to eliminate a lot. But the people should still be put in jail. Justice should be done. Um, Mary, if you wish to hold on till after the break, go ahead. <clears throat> Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com. And may God bless you. Users of iCatholic Radio are raving about our app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. One user says, It's exactly what I was looking for since having a closer walk with my Lord and my God. Great app for the living Catholic. Praise God. Nancy says, this is the best app. I have become a regular listener to it. I use it every day. I also play it all night long while we sleep. Get this app and use it. It will change your life for the better. Another user recommends iCatholic Radio, saying, so sweet a sound. This has allowed me to listen to Catholic Radio when I travel. What an awesome learning tool. Thank you. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, what are you waiting for? Visit your iTunes or Google Play store today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. Uh, just before the break, we had a call from uh, Mary in Ro- Rochester, and I think Mary's not on the line any longer. And Mary was uh, called in with um, a New York State law that would give um, child victims of uh, sexual abuse uh, one year uh, to sue um, the perpetrator or for a suit to be brought, even if it's by the parents, whatever it is, against the perpetrator, um, but no time limit on reporting it. And it it's a, um, for children, it, it's a terrible law because um, a child, most children, when they're abused, they, they keep it secret. They're afraid. They're afraid they won't believe be believed. They're ashamed. Uh, they grow older and they're ashamed that nobody will believe them it happened too long ago or uh, maybe it happened for too many years and they say, well, why didn't you tell someone before? Um, there, Many people just simply do not understand the dynamics of that. Um, and so uh, as far as suing, um, you say you have a one-year uh, limitation but but it could be there's no limitation to reporting the crime. You know, um, I'm not sure on the issue of suing at all, beloved. I'm not sure on the issue of suing be- at all. Um, truly, it, it doesn't bring justice. It does not bring justice. It's certainly a penalty. Um, and I'm not saying it's wrong, but... Uh, I don't think it deals with the issue. I think that people need to be in jail. Again, uh, God said vengeance is mine. They need to serve the proper term in jail and whatever else, community service, whatever else is the consequence of their sin being found out. Um, I don't know that suit is the is the right avenue. I, I really don't. I, I'm, I think I'm going to get a lot of people against this now, against what I'm saying, but um, I, I don't, you know, even for Catholics who are faithful, who have given to the church for years and years for billions of dollars of their giving to be paid out to abusers or rather, to those who are abused, I just uh, diocese to be bankrupt over it. All of that, if the bishops covered up and the diocese pays a price, I mean, there's a justice in that. But I, I don't know that uh, suing should be an avenue. Uh, I think I'm going to get a lot of people against what I'm saying. I haven't thought it through quite like this before, but Mary's call has put questions in my mind. I think justice must be done, and I think whoever is uh, guilty needs to be behind bars. Uh, certainly not transferred to another parish, certainly not put in a um, priest re- rehabilitation home. They need to pay for their crime behind bars, and then when they get out, they could be rehabilitated. Um, I was a jail chaplain for 10 years, I mentioned before, in my Protestant years. And when someone was in there for theft, for drugs, for all of that, they were paying uh, their 
proper jail time, and then to get out, or when they got out, they would go to a, a rehab place um, and and try to be healed. So I I'm not in favor of the idea of of suing at all. I tell you that, even though I cannot say it's wrong, I, I just don't want to encourage that. Uh, the one year to sue. Um, I think it's going to cause a tremendous amount of problems. I think it should be, suing should be eliminated altogether. I think it should not be the consequence of having been abused. I think they should still simply be put in jail and that um, uh, if if there's anything at all uh, money-wise, then... The people involved, even if it's a diocese, it has to be a diocese. If they've allowed an abuse of priests to continue in the diocese, the diocese needs to pay for that. Um, but how they pay for it is another matter. That they would pay for medical bills, psychological bills, all of that, I think that's a given. The diocese must cover all that. But I, I don't know about suing for millions of dollars. Um, I, I, I just can't yet conclude that. Um, we have an email from <clears throat> someone who writes it anonymously. It says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. I've never read the Rosa Mystica Modesty book you've been referring to, um, but I have read Dressing with Dignity by Colleen Hammond, currently published by Tan. Hold on. Have you had experience with this book? Yes, I recommend it. Dressing with Dignity by Colleen Hammond, uh, published by Tan, T-A-N. Um, and she said, again, I also recommend the one-hour documentary. It can be found on YouTube and um, and the True Faith TV website. Um... um You know, I, I think this was edited somehow. Um, have you any experience? Again, I also recommend the one-hour documentary. Uh, there was a name in there, I think. I, I don't know why it... Um, in any case, if you go to YouTube, uh, True Faith TV website, you will you will find it on Modesty. Um, and... Uh, uh, this one writing in says, if you have a chance to review these sources, I would love to hear what you think of them. Um, well, I tell you what, I will go. The book is good. I recommend it. I will go to Truth Faith TV website and look for uh, something to do with modesty. And I then I'll know if I can recommend it. Thank you. We had a call off the line, someone who called in anonymously and left this message. She said, I feel like I have lost my faith. And even if I had it the way it should be with God, a little confusing here, I've done some wrong things in my life. And now I think she's trying to say, I feel like I have lost my faith. And she wondered even if she had the true faith, the way it would, would be with God. She says, I have done some wrong things in my life and worry about the ripple effects of these things. What can I do to help this I question if I am praying correctly. Please offer me some advice. Thank you. Well, um, may I assume that you're Catholic. You have not said otherwise. 
um, the first thing to do is go to a good, holy Catholic priest and tell him this and sit and talk with him. If you were in Tulsa, I would tell you what priest to go to. I don't know where you are. If you uh, know a priest you can go to, a parish you can go to, or you have someone to recommend a good and holy priest, I would say go to them. Um, uh, if anyone who's out in the wilderness and has no idea what Catholic Church to go to or or what where they are, um, if you give Catholic.com, if you get Catholic answers, rather, through Catholic.com, a call, um, their apologists have lists of priests in every state of good, holy priests and parishes. So that may help you. Um, you know, uh, when we've done wrong things in our life, we worry about the ripple effects of these things. And you know what? We cannot control that. We cannot control the ripple effects of our sin. We cannot, uh, no one's going to help us feel better about that because that's what we've caused. But there's a couple of things that are very wonderful, especially if you're Catholic. Number one, that you can be forgiven, go to a priest and receive the magnificent uh, sacrament of reconciliation, that you could be reconciled with God and completely forgiven. And the penance that that priest will give you will not be in order for you to be forgiven. It will be because you're forgiven. And that penance is to make, is to repair the damage, the ripple effects, to make reparation, reparation. And by doing that penance, you will be helping to heal the effects that your sin has caused. It's magnificent. And beyond that, we can do many things to heal that. Um, if I'm going to the dentist, I, I hate the dentist. Well, the dentist is a good dentist, but I hate the pain of dentistry. And I always think of who I'm going to offer it for, because it's a gift from God of suffering that I have to offer it for someone. So when you encounter trials, when you encounter suffering, you can offer it for the people that will experience or have been experienced the ripple effects of what you've caused. We can do that. We can do that every single day of our lives. And so, um, you know, if you say you're worried about the way you pray and all, um, I'm not sure the degree to which you've lost your faith. I think that you need the help of a very good priest to understand things better and let him put you on the road to healing and confession. Um, there's a book by Vinnie Flynn, F-L-Y-N-N. It's called Confession. I don't know the rest of it in the title, but it's very good. And it has to do, it's for people that haven't been to confession for 50 years as well. And it speaks about that magnificent sacrament and how God longs and waits to forgive us through the instrumentality of that priest. When the priest says, I forgive you, he doesn't say it. Christ says those words through the priest. When the priest holds up what is mere bread um, and he says the words of consecration, this is my body, the priest doesn't say it. Christ says those words through the priest. Christ is the priest and the victim. And the same in the confessional. One priest said to me, the priest does his most important work when he's not himself. And so it's Christ who forgives sins. He has chosen to do it in the confessional through the priest. 
If you don't understand why, you can ask him when you get to heaven. But the fact that he's chosen to forgive us at all is too incredible a gift to turn down. So, beloved, don't despair. Go to a good priest and and tell him that you want to talk to him about these things and the things that you've done wrong in your life. Uh, you want to confess them. Even if you've confessed them before, even if they've been forgiven, tell him that if he could lead you through more of a general confession of your whole life and that you could believe that you're forgiven and walk out of there a new person. It would be wonderful. We have an email from Jean Marie. Excuse me. Jean Marie says, Good morning, Mother Miriam. I love your show and listen frequently. My question is this. I've heard you say, if you don't believe everything the church teaches, you are not a Catholic. That's correct. Now, if you don't know, if you don't believe something and you don't know the church teaches that, well, that's different. You're still a Catholic. You still have to keep learning. But when you learn the church teaches it, you need to believe it if you want to remain a Catholic. She says, I have also heard on other EWTN programs, people call in saying, is it okay to not say the rosary? The answer has been yes, it is not mandatory to pray the rosary, and you are still considered a good Catholic without saying the rosary. The rosary seems to me such a huge part of Catholicism. Well, I'm glad it seems that way to you, Jean Marie, because it is. Our mother has given it to us and asked us to pray it every day through an apparition, Our Lady of Fatima, that is approved by the Church, but it is not required. Can someone be a good, holy Catholic and not pray the rosary? I think so. We are not required to do what um, we are told in apparitions, but I would say, um, yes, you could be good and holy Catholic without praying the rosary, but you will be a much holier and better Catholic if you pray the rosary, because Our Lady has asked us to. It's not mandatory, but I would suggest it strongly. Finally, Jean Marie says, also your thoughts on Mary, sometimes referred to as the Bride of Christ, Your thoughts on Mary referred to as the Bride of Christ. I thought the church members were the Bride of Christ and Mary, our mother. You're absolutely right. And the church, we are the Bride of Christ. And the first Bride of Christ, the first member of the church, is Mary. And so she is the Bride of Christ. And now all of us together are the Bride of Christ. Mary is not the Bride of Christ more than we. She was the first and began the Bride of Christ that that was born from his pierced side on the cross. And yes, the church is the bride of Christ and Mary, our mother. You have one other thing, Jean Marie, and we don't have time. There's our closing music, beloved. So we will pick you up with your email tomorrow. Okay, God bless you all. We'll speak with you tomorrow. <laughs> 